Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. For all you foodies out there, I'm unwrapping a McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel. Ooh, look at this steak. And the juice running down the side. Got a little bit on the wrapper here. Mmm. And then the fluffy egg. And real cheese folded over the side, looking just so good. Mm-mm. Grilled onions and a butter bagel, too. Thumbs up for McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel for breakfast. Love it. Mm. I participate in McDonald's. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Triple Threat Sports. For all your team outfitting needs, call Chris at 708-478-6090. Mariska's and Crest Hill, family-owned and operated since 1933, and Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe with locations in Burbank and Darien. Visit chuckscafe.com. Let's drop the early morning puck. Welcome to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast with NBCChicago.com's James Naveau and 670 The Scores hockey guy, Jay Zawoski. Here I Chicago! And an early morning puck it is. Welcome into the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. This is our first edition after the first round of the NHL Draft. This is James Naveau from NBC Chicago. With me, as always, is the one, the only, the very talented, the very awesome, Jay Zawoski. Jay, we have a new Blackhawk on the team after last night. What do you think? about Henri Yokoharu. What I know about Henri Yokoharu is that he grew up a Blackhawks fan and he's a right-handed defenseman. No, I, you know, you got to like that they went defenseman. They went uh, right-handed again, which is a need they had pretty much until yesterday. And, of course, we're going to get to all those big trades uh, quickly here. But uh, went to the draft last night. I know you went in a working environment. I went in a spectating environment. And uh, it was cool. I It was a little, I don't know, it was... I guess the, I don't want to say boring because I enjoyed it. I liked it. It was fun. It was just kind of like a lot of downtime and without the um, constant presence and analysis of the host on NHL Network or wherever you're watching, 
it's kind of hard to know like what's going on because look we know the top names in every draft you know you know about the top four or five guys and you know a little bit about them and when you really find out is when you see the analyst telling you this is what this guy's like everyone is always compared to a hall of famer that's like a you know oh this sixth round pick reminds me a lot of wayne gretzky okay sure you know but uh it's good to get that info that way so it was kind of weird like the picks would happen then it'd be the clock said three minutes but i think it was more like four they would wait a minute to start it and then uh you know I don't know, all in all, kind of an uneventful first round or a couple trades. Uh, but it's always cool to see the GMs, like, milling about. When Stan Bowman and uh, Jim Nill made that trade to trade down, when the Hawks traded down, you see Stan Bowman gets up, and he's got a sheet of paper, and he heads over to the Dallas table, and Jim Nill gets up. Then they go to, the, you know, an NHL uh, official, and then he reviews it, and they take it backstage. It was cool. It was exciting. No one knew what was going to happen at the time. It turned out to just yeah. be a flop of picks, and the Hawks picked up a third-round pick. But uh, at the time, like the the tension was mounting, and then Gary Bettman standing at the podium while the Hawks video is playing and waiting for someone to cut the sound so he can announce the trade. It was cool. <laughs> it, it was it was a cool thing to see. But usually, there's a lot more action, a lot more big names traded in the first round. Just sort of a run-of-the-mill, uh, uneventful first round. But it was it was a very very cool experience. Yeah, they uh, waited till the end of the first round to really uh, get into trades and then we can talk about some of those because obviously the Blackhawks getting an extra third round pick I think could be really helpful today I really do think they're going to try to move up in the second round I know Stan Bowman said there are guys that he's kind of targeting he mentioned last night like basically said they were looking to move up so it'll be really interesting to see what they do today uh, they picked toward the end of the second round. Would not shock me to see them jump up the board. There are still some pretty good guys left on the board. Um, last night, I mean, that basically, I think, went the way the Blackhawks wanted. They wanted Yokoharu. They knew they wanted him. They knew Dallas was not going to take him at 26. So you may as well get a free third-round pick if you can. You move back a couple spots and kind of bank on nobody else taking the guy that you want. So... It was an interesting night from that perspective. I think the Blackhawks definitely went into it knowing they wanted to get a right-handed shot defenseman who can play on the power play and the penalty kill. And from all the video and all of the analysis that I've seen of the pick, that's exactly what they got in Yokoharu. And really good interview. Seems like a really fun kid. Laughed a lot last night. Definitely has that kind of happy-go-lucky personality, it seems like. So... It was kind of neat to see that after a day where the Blackhawks kind of... It was a bit of an emotional day, I think. You could definitely tell when Jonathan Tabes was talking afterward. Uh, we got to interview him after they made the pick uh, at number 29. And he did seem a little bit shell-shocked, but he also seemed uh, kind of excited to reunite with Brandon Saad. And it was really kind of a mixed emotion day for the Blackhawks it was a really interesting scene there last night behind the scenes at the UC yeah and I was you know I was encouraged I was kind of concerned like what was going to be the reaction when Stan Bowman took the podium for the first time and it was it was cheers all around I think uh someone shouted out Jalmerson you know at some point during uh one of the times he was up on the podium but look Nicholas Jalmerson and I talked about this last night I did an emergency podcast without you I'm glad that the uh Tuscan Raiders let you go after a long night of torture, and I was I was making up all sorts of scenarios that happened to you. So uh, I'm glad you're doing better. I'm glad you're free. 
Um, I want to get your take on those trades because everyone already has mine. But uh, losing Nicholas Chalmerson, it sucks. But after sleeping on it and sort of thinking about it a little bit, you can you can really tell where Sam Bowman was going. But I want to get your takes on these trades. So go uh, ahead. The floor is yours, my friend. Well, the first thing is I wanted to point out that uh, one of our contest winners, we tr- I tried to uh, next day ship him the tickets, and he did not get them for the draft yesterday. So that was unfortunately the real thing that i was dealing with yesterday it was not uh tuscan sand raiders that were holding me captive and forcing me to say nice things about the nashville predators or anything like that but um, unfortunately i wasn't able to get him the tickets but Ticketmaster was very helpful just didn't end up working out and eh, things like that happen it I, I we'll look it for a way to make it up to him but to the trades themselves. If there's, one, if there's one thing we do, if if there is a mistake made, we definitely make it up to people. So yeah, um, we will. It'll be we will get it while. sorted out. Yep. Um, the Jalmerson trade, I graded as a C yesterday on Twitter, and the more I've thought about it, I kind of have bumped the grade up maybe a little bit to like a B minus or a C plus. I think with him, it, it's so hard to quantify just how good he is defensively, and I don't. I don't really see there being any scenario where Connor Murphy is as good as Nick Jalmerson. So I, I don't look at the trade and I don't look at the Blackhawks and go, you know what, they're better defensively today than they were yesterday. I think they're worse. But I also think that by adding a guy where you get younger, you get a right-handed guy because you were very left-handed going into yesterday and they definitely rectified that with their draft pick and with the trade. I see the logic in it. I'm just not a huge fan of it because I think that the defense does get worse. Now, the Artemi Panarin-Brandon Saad trade. I know that we had a very long discussion about who was better between Brandon Saad and Artemi Panarin. It's kind of ironic looking back on it that we... That was one of the biggest like debates that we had ever really had on the show. And then the guys get traded for each other. It... It's kind of mind-boggling and honestly kind of cool that we had had that discussion. And looking at the trade and looking at who the Blackhawks got, I I really do think they won that trade. And and I give them probably about an A- minus on that trade just because I know Artemi Panarin is an elite scorer and Brandon Sod's maybe a step below that on the totem pole, but he's also incredibly good defensively. He's a really good two-way forward and... Having him for an additional two years, and he's younger than Artemi Panarin, and I think more versatile, I think that really is going to help the Blackhawks, and I think getting a backup goaltender in that deal is also a really underrated part of it. So I would say that I really liked the Panarin side trade. I thought it was really good for the Blackhawks. The Jalmerson one, I'm kind of with you. It's kind of interesting to me, and I think that that's more. That's one we're more going to have to wait and see. By the way, Joel Quenville, who was not at the first round of the draft last night, is at the Blackhawks' table today. They just showed him on TV. So, And any uh, leftover anger or resentment that Joel Quenville was feeling yesterday was not in the arena. He is there today. Well, I was thinking about that, too, with Q yesterday, but I didn't see any. And, of course, I was way up in the 300 level, so I couldn't see everybody. But I didn't see any NHL coaches on the floor at all. No, there were. Okay, um, okay. Uh, Barry Trotz was for sure there. I saw Peter Laviolette. 
Um, I saw Randy Carlisle. I saw a few guys there. There were definitely coaches in the building, but yeah, Joel Quenville was not one of them. By the way, I did not witness this, but apparently the, uh, the crew from St. Louis Game Time, the newsletter that the Blues have, um, apparently they witnessed uh, Bob Murray, the GM of the Anaheim Ducks, apparently fell out of his chair last night, literally. So there, there was at least one weird moment on the floor. Well, if you had to guess who it was going to be, I guess you'd probably... I would. I would have guessed Randy Carlisle, but hey, you know it, that's a good close second. There you go. All right. So a couple things on the trade, and I mentioned these yesterday, but. I don't want to assume that everybody heard that. So uh, much like you, I had the, the same feeling about the Jalmerson deal, that they're not better uh, today than they were. And I, and I still stand by that. But I spent some time last night looking at some of the deeper numbers on Nicholas Jalmerson. And um, he the second half of last year was not good for him. His possession numbers weren't great. Of course, he always has the toughest matchup. So, uh, you know, that's going to be part of things. Um, but spent a lot of that time paired with Duncan Keith. And in the playoffs was was pretty well exposed by Nashville as well. And we've discussed before that when Nicholas Jalmerson's decline happens, it's going to be quick and it's going to be ugly because unlike Duncan Keith, he doesn't have top end speed to make up for some of the other mistakes. Unlike Brent Seabrook, he doesn't have a ton of I mean, he's a strong guy for sure, but Brent Seabrook is a very physical, very, very strong defenseman that, yeah, while he's lost a step, he can still push people around and, and use his physicality to his advantage in that way. Jalmerson doesn't have any of those top-end assets, so when that step is lost and that edge is lost for him, it's going to be a tough decline, and the Hawks maybe have seen that coming. Second of all, like you mentioned with the contract, there's no way he was going to be able to be re-signed in two years. The Hawks are not going to be able to no. afford him. And if you wait another year to trade him, his value goes down big time because then he becomes a rental. And no team is going to give you two players like Arizona did that could potentially help you in the upcoming season. Um, Laurent Dauphin, who I, I, I'm going to call him Larry Dolphin for simplicity. I decided that on the podcast last night. Um, I think it's a good idea. Yeah. Uh, Bowman said that he thinks he's ready for a full-time NHL role. Connor Murphy is going to be he played 20 minutes a night last year on a bad Coyotes team and and was above water uh, comparatively to the rest of the team possession wise so um, I'm a little bit encouraged by the guys that got didn't know a ton about them until I did some research on them Um, so you know when you look at it that way and we got to do our best to take emotion out of these things and for Mm -hmm. me the moment it happened it was very hard to do that because you know I love Nicholas Jalmerson he's one of my favorite Blackhawks ever I love everything about his game. I love everything about what he's done here. I I think he's one of the more uh, has been one of the more insanely underrated players in the NHL. Um, but when you look at the long term plan here, um, I think this this makes a lot of sense. And and you know how I feel about Artemi Panarin. I've said it all year. And I don't. I want to make sure I'm clear here because I got some texts this morning, like and some tweets this morning about. Like, oh, you know, you know, Jay thought he sucked or whatever. I never said Artemi Panarin sucked. I don't believe that at all. I think that he's a one-dimensional scorer. He is an offensive-minded only player, and the Hawks have a lot of those. They've got a lot of those, and Brandon Saad is what the Hawks lack. And just ask the players, because they're the ones who reportedly went to Stan Bowman and said, we've got to get Brandon Saad back. That says something to me. Yeah. And those guys know the business. They know that someone would have to go to get Brandon Sod back, but they knew his importance to the team enough to go to the GM and say, look, 
we got to get this done. And the other element of the sod thing is Anton Forsberg. The Blackhawks have addressed their backup goalie situation. So Yes, they have. And if there's one thing Stan Bowman has shown that he can do, it's fine goaltending. Scott Darling, Antti Niemi, Antti Ranta, all these guys were found on uh, Stan Bowman's watch. I think uh, was Niemi to- uh, Talon? Uh, well, it doesn't matter. He was assistant GM at that time anyway. So Bowman's got a pretty good history of finding goalies regardless. So uh, I'm encouraged about Forsberg. Bowman had good things to say about him there. Um, Yesterday when we got there, I walked into the new atrium at the draft, and there was a poster up for, come meet Tyler Mott tomorrow for a signing at the draft. I was like, that's poor Tyler Mott. (laughs) Yeah. What's your favorite Tyler Mott memory, by the way? Uh, when we all thought that he could play top-line winger. That probably would be it when we were uh, pushing and arguing for that. And uh, whoops, that kind of didn't work out. Now he's a uh, throw-in and a deal that sent Artemi Panarin away. So I, I guess uh, my favorite memory was when we had really uh, high hopes for him. By the way, speaking of the draft in the atrium... That was really cool how they had all the new jerseys out yesterday. They were you could actually kind of see them and try them on and everything. And you and I got to see the uh, the new Vegas look, and it was I I thought in person it looked really good. What did you think? I agree with you, and I I was trying to explain. I was sitting next to Fifth Feather from uh, the uh, Faxes from Uncle Dale site. Follow him on Twitter at Fifth Feather. Um, Do it and uh, cool guy. Never met him before. And I was trying to explain the pattern on the sleeve, sort of like the leafy um, thing that the Senators have around the Ottawa Senators' head, or the thing that like ancient Olympians wore on their head, like the leafy crown, I guess you'd call it. That sort of a pattern wraps around the gold band on the sleeve, and it's almost like three-dimensional. You can feel it. It's not It's not flat yeah. to the shirt. There's a, there's a raised... Uh, pattern to it it was really cool and kind of a um like a grainy feel like a sandpapery feel to that gold part it 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 did look great i thought all the jerseys looked really good what you didn't notice on tv was from like the chest up around the shoulders there's an extra layer of padding there's an extra layer of material there and it's very visible like you can see it it's a different pattern than the rest of the jersey and what i did like about some of the others um the uh, the the numbers on the sleeves had holes in them, like I don't know what you call that, like like mesh almost. Yeah, like venting, like mesh. Yeah, and I, I thought that was a cool look too. It, they're different. They they're they look different than they did on TV. They they look more extremely different than the Reebok jerseys when you see them up close. But I like them. The only really staggering difference is that the necks are no longer V necks. They're round yeah. necks, and then they come together to, like, a reflective NHL crown, like, right in the Adam's apple area. So, I liked them. I thought they looked cool. Um, I have nothing. To, I You know, I like new stuff. I like. I don't fear change, uh, as long as they didn't tamper with the Hawks jersey, and they didn't. And they didn't really tamper with anybody's too much, I didn't think. Did you? No, I didn't think so. They, I think the one thing you're really going to notice is you're going to notice little subtle things. Like the Blues have, I believe, white numbers now, and they never used to have that. Or the Boston Bruins are going to be wearing a different uh, color sock. Other than that, like, I don't really... They didn't seem to go kind of balls out, like, to try to, you know, change these things up. It seems like they 
tried to stay pretty true to the look, but obviously add in the new, you know, technology. It seemed like that's what they tried to do. Yeah, and I have no problem with that at all. That's that's what they should do. And and remember when the Reebok jerseys came out, the players hated them because remember the the new fabric was like wicking sweat yep. into their gloves. Yeah, like it wasn't designed to <laughs> to keep players dry. So I wonder if uh, these Adidas jerseys, I'm sure they have, have been adapted to uh, you know keep the players a little more dry. Uh, and things like that. So sort of keeping an eye on Twitter here. There's been a couple uh, trades for picks. I saw Arizona just traded uh, one for three. Um, so they picked up three more draft picks from Philadelphia. Philadelphia traded so up to move down two. nine spots, you'll take that. Absolutely. Uh, report here from Darren Dreger that says there's trade interest in Fanuf from outside his list. Um, so there's there's some stuff popping. There's always I, – I predict there will be a big move or two made around the league today. And when we come back, I want to tell everybody about the um, ridiculous price the Pittsburgh Penguins paid for a bum yeah, <laughs> yesterday. Yeah, we, we need to talk about what the Penguins and the Blues did yesterday. Yes. And speaking of the new Adidas jerseys, I don't know if Triple Threat Sports has them yet. The new Madhouse store at the United Center didn't. But as soon as they're in, as soon as they're available, give Triple Threat Sports a call, and they will hook you up with an authentic Hawks Adidas jersey. They're the best place to go if you need to get your NHL jerseys lettered. But did you also know, my friends, that they're the best place to go if your team needs jerseys? Whether you're an elite travel, high school, or college program that needs outfit hundreds of kids, or if you're a beer and pizza league team with 12 players, Triple Threat can put you in pro-quality jerseys at pricing you can afford. Triple Threat Sports can work with you on every aspect of the job. Logo design, fitting, apparel for off-ice, you name it. And you don't have to be a hockey player to wear uniforms from Triple Threat. They get uniforms and apparel for all sports, baseball, softball, football, lacrosse, and more. So for more info, call Chris at 708-478-6090 or email him for more info at chris at triplethreatsports.com. Triple Threat Sports, if you can wear it, they can make it. And we want to thank Triple Threat Sports for supplying uh, all the uh, T-shirts and koozies and everything for our Patreon site, patreon.com slash madhousepod. Our guy, Ponytail Dave, rocking the Madhouse Pod shirt at the draft yesterday. We appreciate that. But we I did not get to see him yesterday, and that really bums me out. The draft went way too quickly. Well, he, sa- like it- he said he saw me and didn't say hello. It's like, what? what? what's wrong with you? Yeah, man. And then what a, the heck? A, a, before we go to break, real quick story. I'm standing in the, uh, in the concourse eating. I hadn't had dinner yet, so I'm eating at the United Center. And this little kid, he's got to be 9 or 10. He's walking with two of his buddies. He's wearing a Seabrook jersey, and he's just locked eyes with me from maybe like three sections over and i just kept eye contact with him i'm like why is this kid staring at me and he walks past he goes i like you and i was like what does that mean (laughs) and he's like i like you i like you i was like all right uh i'm married but thanks i don't know if he was a fan of the podcast or if he was just (laughs) messing with me or what but uh a nine-year-old boy likes me good to know Good to know. Good to know. Please don't call the authorities. All right. <laughs> yeah, ta- Taco Girl is now joined by nine-year-old boy. Wow. Yeah, that's where it went. All right. Yeah. Well, we'll be right back with uh, news on the big Penguins-St. Louis Blues trade. We'll be right back on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Welcome back into the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. We're just talking about the uh, first day of the NHL draft. Jay got to go, courtesy of me. Yeah. And... Yep. 
and I was there covering it last night, so we have a lot of thoughts to get to. But now, we must do our favorite thing in the entire world, and that is mock teams that we don't like. We will start with the St. Louis Blues, who made two trades last night. The first trade was with the Philadelphia Flyers. They get Braden Shen, and they gave up two first-round picks and Jory Laterra. Jay, was it worth it for the Blues to give up two first-round picks to get rid of Jory Laterra? Um, no. <laughs> I, I, I don't know, you know, I... Whatever they feel they need to do, I I really don't get the direction here of the Blues. Um, Brayden Shen's a nice player. I'm not, you know, he's fine. I don't think he's going to be a guy that's going to come in and change your franchise. You know, mm-hmm. he's a nice player that any team is probably, if you say, would you rather have him or not, every team's going to say, yes, we'd like to have him. That would be fine. But to give up two first-rounders for him, that's crazy. Yuri Laterra, yeah. fine. If, if you want to do a player swap and throw in a third or something like that, cool. But the uh, two first rounders, and then, and then, the Penguins. Oh my god! Say, hold my beer, Blues. They call the St. Louis Blues and say, we really, really need Ryan F and Reeves. We can't live without him. We've won two Stanley Cups in a row, but we can't live without Ryan Reeves. So the Penguins yeah. give up a first-round pick and 23-year-old prospect center Oscar Sundqvist, I like to say it with the V, uh, yeah. for Ryan Reeves and a second-round pick, number 51 in 2017. What are you doing, Penguins? Why would you give up a first-round pick for Ryan Reeves? I... Is Adam, call Adam Burrish. He's not doing anything. Someone's, yeah. There's got to be a better answer than a first-round pick for Ryan Reeves? Nah. Do they know who, like, is this one of those trades, like, remember the, um, a couple years ago, the Maple Leafs signed the wrong free agent? Do you remember that? Like, they thought they were signing, um, oh my god, who was it? The Leafs, like, signed a defenseman, I think his last name was Finger? Does mm-hmm. this ring a bell at all? But they, they cool. thought he was someone else, and they signed the wrong player. I wonder if that's what the Penguins are doing. Maybe they think, I don't know. Like, who's, like, a big physical fourth liner that is actually good? Did you see what Mike Sullivan said about the trade? No. We think there's more to his game, and if we can put him with the right people, we think we can really help him grow this game. I have a theory, and that theory is, you cannot grow the game of a 30-year-old forward! Yeah, like what more? How much more? What are you expecting? How how much more talent is there to tap into? Let me me tell you, that juice is squeezed. You know what it is. Hey, I just. uh... It's like buying an orange and you expect it to become apple juice. What the hell is wrong with you? I I don't, uh, I I just don't, I don't understand what the deal is there. Of all the teams too that don't need to, to make big changes, it's the Penguins. And sure, they probably don't have room on their roster for Sunquist. That's true. Fine. You know, you can't have everybody. But Ryan Reeves? A first-round pick? Oh, my God. That's insane. And I know yep. this dra- – now, you got to look at it in the lens of this draft, right? And everyone has sort of said, well, this draft isn't as great as others and blah, blah, blah. Fine. I don't care. There's still a lot of value in a first-round pick. And you can – if I'm trading a first-round pick, I want a guy that's going to – legitimately help my team and ryan reeves is not that dude i'm sorry man that is a crazy trade 
So not only did the St. Louis Blues leave David Perron exposed and available in the expansion draft so they could protect Ryan Reeves, they then got a first-round pick for him. I don't get hockey anymore. I think we should quit the podcast. I don't get it. All right, I'm out. See ya. Yeah, bye. Talk to you later. Oh, hey, I got to get back in real quick because the Red Wings just drafted a guy named Gustav Lindstrom. Oh, oh, yes. We need to talk about good draft names, by the way. Oh, you got? I see you have some in mind. Let's go. The 20th pick of the draft last night, are perfectly timed, by the way, the 20th pick, Robert Thomas of the St. Louis Blues. I thought, I've heard he's a very smooth skater who likes to push the tempo, and he'll leave opponents seeing stars in their dreams when they wake up at 3 a.m. Boom. I just made three Matchbox 20 puns. What are you going to do? Oh, boy. I'm uh, <laughs> I'm going to quit. I've had enough. You finally, <laughs> you have finally driven me to the point. No, uh, that that was uh, you are you are a maestro of the dad jokes, my friend. I am I am very impressed. Speaking of that, uh, dad jokes. My dad texted me last night during the draft. Um, I'm going to share some of my dad's meatball thoughts with you. Oh, I like it. Yeah, yeah go it's ahead. good. Uh, he writes, uh, "Let's see, what are the Hawks doing? It sure seems like they're taking it in the shorts." All right. Uh-huh. So I filled him in, you know, nice long response. Uh, then he says, it seems like the Bulls took it in the shorts also. <laughs> so uh-huh. I filled him in on that. Then he said, I can't remember Paxton making a good trade. Um, no. Bill Paxton has never been a GM, so I don't remember that He's either. He's also dead, isn't he? I believe he is dead. Or is it Bill Pullman that's dead? I think we. I think they're, you know what? By uh, default, they're both they're dead. They're both dead, okay. Um and then he uh, he thinks that Jerry Reinsdorf is bad for the city. So those are my dad's uh, sports thoughts. Hmm. I don't think he's wrong. A, I, he, two for two out of three ain't bad. I say he's not as uh, meatbally as you made him seem. <laughs> I just thought that the Paxton thing was uh, that was just a cherry on a Sunday for me. I love it. Trebinsky. I love the mispronounced McCowan. the names that everyone should know that are always mispronounced. I love it. But yet everyone's gonna somehow know Yokoharu. Like, it, that's how that's going to go. This Yoki Harmon guy sucks. I don't like him. Somebody, they should draft an American kid. Somebody asked uh, him last night if Patrick Kane said his name right, and he said, I think he did. I don't know, because as soon as I heard the name Henry, I just yelled. <laughs> wow, he's got some like, personality. That's good. There you go. By the <laughs> way, you are not privy to this from your perch, uh, but they had a green room last night behind the stage. So I heard. Yeah, and it was very awkward because two or three picks were still sitting back there for a long time, and then they just kind of left. Like, I'm not sitting back here alone anymore. This is getting embarrassing. I'm going to go sit out in the bleachers or the whatever you call it, the go sit out in the stands. Um, yeah. Cool idea to have, like, all the hats there, but I think, like, for the NHL, when the draft is a little more uncertain, it's hard because they didn't have everybody. They had, like, maybe 15 players back there. Yeah, and it's hard to predict like when exactly they're going to go. So I appreciate the effort, NHL, but I think we should need to rethink the green room for next year. I, I would I would agree with that. Um, I think the setup overall was really good. I think the the stage looked cool, and like obviously the tables that setup always looks you know the same. But 
I thought the United Center did a good job with the draft. I really did. I enjoyed the setup. I thought they did a good job. And it, it really impressed me how quickly they got players back to the interview area. Like, Jonathan Taves, literally, I think it was about three minutes it took for him to get from the stage to the media area. It was very impressive and very uh, efficiently done by the Blackhawks and by the NHL. Yeah, well, no matter how you feel about uh, John McDonough, if you like him, if you don't, if you think he's a meddler, you think he's a genius, whatever, events like this are where he really shines. You know, the Hawks yeah. the Hawks are never going to um, screw stuff like this up as long as he's on watch. He is um, a stickler for detail. He's not going to miss a beat. He is tough on his employees. Um, there is, uh, you know, I'm not saying he's a, a jag or a jerk to work with, but he's intense. He's a guy that wants it done the right way all the time, and he's got little patience for failure. And um, you see it, man. That draft, uh, I, I got to see the fan zone a little bit. Uh, I got to walk. I didn't have a ticket for it, but I walked past it and saw how it was going. Very smooth. Tons of stuff going on. Tons of people in there, but no huge, like, blob of people. You know, it wasn't like a big mm -hmm. mass of humanity. Everything was very spread out. You mean nobody wanted to go uh, stand and watch Neon Trees play? Whoa. That's a funny story. Uh, Fifth Feather was telling me he was out there and he was watching them perform. And the singer uh, was like, okay, seven years ago I wrote this song about a, a girl. And now I've become more honest with myself. And I'm happy to admit this song was always about a man. Which is great. Cool. Like, wow, out of the yeah. closet, really great. Not sure if it was the best venue to to, 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 to talk about your uh, your lifestyle. I, I don't know how, you know, hockey fans are not the most forgiving and uh, sometimes not the most open-minded group of people in the world, uh, especially yeah. en masse like that. Um, but I think he's fine. I just, I thought it was just kind of funny, like, this might not be the right venue for this, but cool. Um, uh, I think that's actually, a, I like that story a lot. Yeah, no, it's it definitely, it's a cool story. But it's just like, I don't know. I, I'm sure it's not the first time he's. I don't think he decided to come out at the Blackhawks fan fest. I'm sure it's. I'm not a big neon trees historian. I'm sure we have a listener that is that could fill us in. But uh, would have been an interesting choice to make that the day he did it. But uh, just I thought it was kind of a funny side note. But um, yeah, the whole thing was cool, man. The whole thing was really well done. And that Madhouse store and that atrium between the store and the building where the Jordan statue is housed now. That is incredible, man. If you're heading out mm -hmm. to the draft today, uh, I know you know it's kind of an all-day thing, so you might be making your way over there. Make sure you check that stuff out and see that store. And get ready for lots of metal detectors, by the way. I think I went oh, yeah. through four before I got in the building, which is great. Not, yeah. Um, by the way, Cody Westerlin's uh, brother, Philip just got taken by the uh, Arizona Coyotes with the 44th pick. It's not really his brother, is it? I highly yeah, doubt I it. So. He's from uh, Sweden, but yeah. Um, I'm sure he would have mentioned it. For those, that, yeah. for the 99% of you who don't know, Cordy Westerland is the scores uh, Bulls reporter and uh, web guy. Yep. And now you know. And now you know All the right. rest of the story. We're going to take another quick break, and then we're going to come out, come back and answer some emails. But before we do, got to tell you about our friends at Mariska's Restaurant, 604 Theodore Street in Crest Hill, 815 723 9371. They are family owned and operated at the same location since 1933. You don't last that long and suck. That place is incredible. Make sure you go to Marishka's. They've got the handcuffed products in their own butcher shop. 
including their steaks, the burgers, and the world-famous Poor Boy Sandwich. They serve the highest quality of steak, seafood, and chops, and numerous homemade items made fresh in-house, including their onion rings and the double-baked potatoes, the Icelandic cod, hand-cut on premises. That's James's favorite. They've got mm-hmm. a full carryout menu, a full bar with craft brews, banquet facilities for groups up to 110 people. So visit marishkas.com and check them out on Facebook at facebook.com slash marishkas. Open seven days a week and close only on Christmas, Easter, the 4th of July, and Thanksgiving. We'll be right back with your emails and more on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Welcome back into the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. We're going to be getting ready to uh, tackle emails here in a moment, but there is one thing that we need to address first, and that is the fact that the Vegas Golden Knights, there have been a lot of reports that they were going to take Marcus Kruger off the Blackhawks' hands as part of the uh, payment for leaving... Trevor Van Riemsdyk exposed in the expansion draft. That hasn't happened yet. So, I'm curious, Jay. Is there a reason in your mind where a trade for Marcus Kruger with Vegas or with anybody else, why that hasn't happened yet? I do, and I mentioned this on yesterday's emergency podcast, 24 minutes of solid and red-hot analysis. Um, Marcus Kruger has a signing bonus in his contract for this year, so and that's for $2 million. So, as soon as June 30th hits, the Hawks will pay that bonus, and that will go away for any team that pays for him. Now, the cap hit for Kruger will remain the same for whichever team takes him on, but that $2 million cash bonus that does count against the cap, uh, that will be paid by the Blackhawks, then they'll be free to trade him. I believe if he's not traded today, that's definitely what the situation is. Now, um, a lot of rumors about the Hawks wanting to trade up, You've seen the Vegas Knights sort of stockpiling picks here as well. Um, so maybe they're just trying to get the right mix of picks to make the deal. Um, but I would I would suspect that that deal will be announced uh, July 1st or later. Um, because why wouldn't you? You know, if you're going to take that contract off the Hawks' hands, why not pay less money? It makes perfect sense to me, right? So um, that, to me, is probably what's holding it up. Um, when asked about Kruger's status... Stan Bowman had no comment, which tells you, you know, he didn't say like, oh, we like Marcus and, well, you know, everyone's available, blah, blah. He just kind of had a no comment. So that sort of tells you everything you need to know. And that was kind of the first rumor of the offseason was that Kruger was gone and it just hasn't happened yet. But I think if you're trying to connect the dots, that could be a good explanation as to why. Yeah, I think I think that's a good theory. Uh, a couple of the reporters that – we we were all sitting together last night, all of the uh, Chicago writers. Uh, that was kind of the prevailing theory, was that the bonus was kind of keeping teams, especially uh, smaller market teams that can carry the cap hit, that was what was keeping them from doing the deal yesterday. And I, I do think the Blackhawks eventually are going to get a pick, probably from Vegas, I would imagine. I bet they'll get, you know, Probably a third or fourth round pick, I think, just because kind of a thank you for the uh, TBR exposure in the draft. Um, yeah, I I think that makes sense. I was a little surprised it didn't get done, but once the bonus was brought up, it makes a lot of sense. Teams aren't just going to want to hand out two million bucks, even though it's not really doing anything to you cap wise. Just a cost saving thing. That's it. I mean that. It makes total sense to me. All right, I have a, another prediction for this week. Uh, look for the Blackhawks to sign another goalie, uh, one that will probably be the goalie for Rockford now, 
but a big part of the future. I can't tell you more than that, but just keep it in the back of your mind. And when it happens, be like, oh, Jay told me about that. Okay? Just, hey, just I, remember I, that. I remember we also were repeatedly pounding the drum about potentially trading Artemi Panarin because of the return on investment that he could get. So we we call stuff on this podcast. We really do. Yeah. Well, this one I'm calling from a place of knowledge. Ah, nah. <laughs> the, hey, you know what? Wait a minute. <laughs> the Panarin thing caught me completely off guard. Yeah, a little bit. I told the story. I, I didn't tell you. I, I, I told the story yesterday on the on the podcast, but I, I want to tell you. So, uh, you know, like when I'm at work, I'm producing the show, but I'm, I'm mostly like digging through Twitter, looking for stuff I might be missing, looking for guest opportunities, blah, blah, blah. So like for the first time in three hours, I'm like, all right, I'm going to go up and get a drink, go get a drink, go visit my pal, Bernie McCaffrey in his office. I'm like, hey, what's up? He's like, they traded Jalmerson. I'm like, what are you? I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> He's like, go go look at your email. So I sit down, and Nicholas Jalmerson's been traded. So I'm like, oh my god, completely off guard. No leaks of that at all. None of the rumor monk, like no uh, Bob McKenzie or Pierre LeBron or Darren Dreger. None of these guys had that at all until the Blackhawks sent the email that it was done. Right. So I'm yep. like, oh my god, scrambling, trying to find out what I can about uh connor murphy and larry dolphin doing everything i can to figure that stuff out then i'm texting with my um one of my sources like can you tell me about these new hawks and he's like yeah i will but make sure you check out elliot friedman's twitter too i was like oh okay cool maybe there's like a, a better breakdown of those guys there go to elliot friedman's twitter and it says that the hawks have traded panarin for sod this is all like in the span of a minute yeah. And I was like, what? And I, I'm like one of my best attributes as a producer is I don't get flustered. Like I, I always remain calm. I always remain level. I was losing it yesterday, man. I was like because at the same time, uh, uh, Lowry Markinen's agent is calling me the, the Bulls first round pick to put him on the show. And I'm talking with the Bulls about getting Gar Foreman on. It was just too much. And I thought I was going to explode. And it was crazy. And it was the first time I really lost control at work. And uh, and probably what ten years or so, it was just yeah. nuts. But really cool. I love that stuff. I love it. Well, yeah. Yesterday I was working from home early in the day because I was going to go in and cover the draft. And I obviously thought last night was going to be, you know, maybe an active night. I woke up about twenty minutes before the Jalmerson thing hit, and I was kind of like making breakfast and kind of tooling around the house a little bit. And then I get a call from my editor, and she's like. Jalmerson got traded. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, so I immediately like spring into action, get a post up. We, you know, not to toot our horn, but we won the, we call it the push battle. We push to our mobile app if a big story happens and we always are trying to beat the other TV stations in town and we did. Oh, cool. So really good turnaround on that. Really awesome. And then... Then I see Elliot Friedman's tweet, and I'm like, oh, shit. And Alex is like, what? Did you screw up the, sto the story? On I was like, no, Panarin's getting traded, too. And she, you know, we, we had the collective, WTF! <laughs> and so I had to pre-write that, too. And then once uh, the Chicago beat guys kind of started reporting it, we had to push that story, too. So it got real chaotic at NBC, and I wasn't even out of my pajamas yet that's crazy like, that 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 is the fun <laughs> stuff that i get to deal with even though i'm a full-timer now and even though i go into the tower i still work from home on days like yesterday and i still have to deal with that 
whoa that was nuts oh man that's a cool story that's see i love that stuff like and i think about just the like just the normal fans that like don't have the media jobs like like you said with your push notification some guys like walking to lunch like what the what <laughs> jalmerson's <laughs> traded and he's like running around like i remember when i was in the uh when jay cutler got traded to the bears i was yep. on a flight to detroit for the final four with zach zaidman it was me and zach so this is in the air where you can have your phone on in a plane. So the plane lands, and I turn my phone on first, and I get I see the notification. I just stood up in the plane like while we're sitting on a runway, and I go, "The Bears got Jay Cutler," and everyone in the plane just like stares at me blankly, like, "What? Who's like that? who's Jake?" I'm and like, "Who are you? We just flew from Chicago to Detroit. It took." 10 seconds how do you not know who the bears are or who jay cutler is i was stunned like there's got to be some sports fans in this plane that are going to the final four why else would you be going to detroit at this time of year oh my god it's yeah same thing so some dude like walking down the street gets the john merson notification shouts it out to all the strangers around him uh makes a fool of himself then does it again when the panarin trade happens like a minute later yeah i think officially there i think chris hines said this yesterday officially there was 51 minutes between official announcements. What? And I got to tell you, like, I I had no idea that I knew yesterday was going to be pretty, you know, I thought it was going to be busy. I did not realize it was going to be that busy. That was crazy. It was fun, though. Yes. I mean, that's those are the kinds of days that as a member of the media you love because you get to get to experience something like that in a really unique way and bring the news to people. And in our case, we get to kind of evaluate it and talk about it as well. And I think it's just, it's really fun having something like that to talk about. And it really made Chicago hosting the draft just that little bit more special that we had all that, you know, all that media attention in the city and, to drop two bombshells like that was remarkable. What if Bowman had done it from the podium at the draft? Oh my god! <laughs> I, I I could you imagine? I, I can't even. I really can't. Like that, the the mind reels thinking about that. The just like what the react like? F- would there be like a physical reaction? Like would people like run up on stage and attack him? When Nicholas Chalmers was traded. Dude, <laughs> there was a reaction in the arena last night when the Blues uh, acquired Braden Shen. Yeah. Like, there was literally a, oh, like, it was a visceral reaction, and you could feel it. It was crazy. I can't imagine if the Hawks had done something like that. I cannot imagine. By the way, one last thing yes. about fan reaction. Gary Bettman is the world's greatest Oh, he loves it, too. I love it. I love that he's embraced that. Yeah, he's like, that's all you got? Come on. Yeah. You know, know, Gary Bettman was the guy. He was the kid in school that was, like, smarter than everyone. And just, I imagine, like, the wedgie count for Gary Bettman as a child just had to be, like, triple figures. Oh, my God. We have the weirdest name in history on TV right now. Who's that? The Buffalo Sabres just took... Ucko Pekka Lukanen, I think is how you pronounce it. Bucko? Ucko. U-K-K-O. I like that name. I want him to Ucko, be a Blackhawk. Pekka Lukanen. Lukanen. From Hamil, Haminlina, Finland. Well, yes, we know he's from Finland. 
If it's Becca Ducka Dinkadin, it's Finnish. If there are 600 U's and 600 K's in a name, he's Finnish. That's how it goes. By the way, Buffalo Sabres draft hat, very good. I like it a lot. I, a plus I, for effort. I asked you yesterday, I said, uh, what do you think of this draft hat? And I, th- I said, I think I look goofy. And you're like, no, it looks good. I bought it. I went back and bought it. Good boy! Did you buy the Toronto one? No, I got the Hawks one. Oh, I thought you were going to get the Toronto one. No. I like the way that one looks. Screw them. I uh, I just, uh, you know, I realize I haven't had a Hawks hat in a long time. I haven't bought one in a long time. I have that weird, like, should I wear this? Am I not being objective when I wear this? But then, like, people at work wear Cubs hats all the time, right? Yeah, you're talking, to, you're talking to the guy that has a massive hat collection and literally owns, I think, 11 Cubs hats. Okay. So, see, it's just me, like, it's I'm in my head about it. Like, do, should I wear Hawk stuff? And I think I wear should. Wear it. Screw it. Okay. You know what? If it looks good, wear it. Good. I'm glad we talked. Thanks, Joe Madden. All right, when we no come problem, back, buddy. we will answer your emails and uh, give you a hockey card. I've not picked it yet. I've not picked it yet. And a free breakfast at Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe. More importantly than the damn hockey card is you're going to fill your face with meat and pancakes and eggs and uh, huevos rancheros and the Chuck's Machicado, which is my favorite. It's like a barbecue. Oh, God, it's amazing. Just go to Chuck's, get breakfast. Even if you don't win, you will be happy. But we'll be right back with your emails and some fun final thoughts on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Welcome back to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. We have a Blackhawks draft pick announcement. Woohoo! The Blackhawks, with the 57th overall pick in the draft, have taken... Ian Mitchell, a defenseman out of Sturgeon County, Alberta, played for Team Canada in the World Championship, the World Junior Championships. Right hand, looks like he's a right-handed shot. Pretty solid passer. I'm liking what I'm seeing on the highlight video. Jay, give me all your thoughts on Ian Mitchell right now. Corey Pronman, NHL writer for ESPN Insider, ranks prospects, all that good stuff said. Chicago picks Ian Mitchell, another favorite of mine, one of the top Puck movers in his age group has legit skill, even if production is not great. So a right-handed shot, another one. So what, like a month ago, the Hawks had no right-handed defenseman. Since then, they've added Mitchell. They've added Yerky Puki, whatever. The guy. Yep, Yoki Haru. Yoki Haru. I don't have it in front of me. Leave me alone. They added uh, Jan Ruda. They added Darren Radish. All right-handed shots. And yep. uh, Connor Murphy. Did I say Connor Murphy? I don't think he did. Connor Murphy also a right-handed shot. So yeah, now they have a glut of right-handed shots. But it's time for emails. Are you ready, my friend? There is one more thing (sighs) I wanted to share. I'm sorry. Oh my god. Um, I know. You know what though? It's relevant. I promise. Finally, this is an organ. Shut up. (laughs) This is an organizational philosophy because uh, Jonathan Taves and Stan Bowman both mentioned last night that they're trying to get younger. They're trying to improve their puck movement, and they're trying to improve their speed. They both mention those three things explicitly. So whenever you see a pick like this, a righty defenseman that can move the puck and he can move up and down the ice, just know that is deliberate on the part of the organization. They are absolutely targeting that right now. Yes, and Ian Mitchell will play at Denver next year. By the way, uh, on the way home, caught a bit of the NBCSN post-draft coverage i put it on my phone and just kind of listened on my bluetooth um yep. pierre mcguire really likes connor connor murphy says he's a really great puck mover he's got some good speed 
Um, that offensive aspect of his game is something I hadn't really heard from anyone. Uh, honestly, yesterday, though, I was so like hunkered down and covering news and getting the podcast out and getting to the draft. I didn't give it as much time as I probably should have, but good to hear that Murphy is another one in that mindset you just mentioned. As a kid, they can move the puck but can also play physically. That's what they need. That's what they lack, um, and I'm happy to see. I, I'm, I'm encouraged by what Connor Murphy is and what he can be, especially considering Joel Quenville and Ulf Samuelson's history of developing defensemen. Really excited yeah, about the I, I, Connor Murphy. I definitely agree with you on that, and I definitely uh, have heard similar things. Uh, Stan Bowman mentioned that, he kind of fell in love with Connor Murphy's game as he was working with Team USA. So you ever wonder why an NHL GM or an NHL coach will do something like that? That's why. All right, let's do some emails. Email the guys at madhousepod at gmail.com or follow them on Twitter at madhousepod. The email segment is brought to you by our tasty friends. Well, they're not like... Never mind. That was a bad thing to say. They're not tasty like the people that work there. The food is tasty at Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe. They've got two locations, one in Burbank, 6501 West 79th Street. We on the south side call that 79th and Natchez, my friends. And in Darien, 8025 South Cass Avenue. That's just north of the Cass Avenue exit on I-55. Visit chuckscafe.com for all their specials. The specials are awesome they're incredible every day there's gonna be something new something unique something that will blow your food mind you will love it but you walk in you don't want to get a special they've got you covered the best barbecue the best mexican the best cajun fare chuck pine was the sous chef for rick bayless that's all you need to know he is a barbecue pro a mexican and cajun expert but there's something for everyone at chuck's if you're if your mom's like my mom where she's like "Eh, i like a plain cheeseburger They'll, they'll hook her up with that, too. It'll be fine. There's something there for everybody. Everyone leaves Chuck's happy. I promise you that. They've got a fantastic bar with dozens of craft beer and an ever-rotating beer menu. They have the 120 Beer Club, where if you drink 120 beers, you get a plaque on the wall. Not in one night, but you have some time. They give you a little punch card, and you try all 120 of them, and you become famous at Chuck's. They also offer catering services, banquets, and more. They've appeared on Chicago's Best and Food Network's Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives. So visit chuckscafe.com or follow them on Twitter at Chuck's Cafe. And I mentioned this a couple weeks ago. I want to mention it again. They and Marishka's were featured on the same episode of Chicago's Best. So find that one. Just put it the YouTube there, Chuck's, Marishka's, Chicago's Best, and it will pop up and you can see two of our fine sponsors. And as soon as Chicago's Best makes a shirt printing episode, I promise you Triple Threat Sports will be on there. To the emails! Ready? Yes. Kevin Peak, our guy. He says, I'm good with the trades. Think Sod is more of a player in the mold of Hosa and need that kind of player right now. I always think of the word samey, Jay uses, that they need to get away from. Hammer? Yeah, it sucks. But I think if there's a player that does so much of the dirty work defensively for so long, his deterioration as he gets older will come really fast if it hasn't started already. We all said the Hawks needed to make some moves, and we should embrace it and see what happens. That is from Kevin. Can't Good disagree. optimism, Kevin, yeah. Yeah. He basically said everything I said, so he's right and should win. <laughs> <laughs> Our buddy Spike says he's not sure on the John Merson deal. Can you guys shed any light? I think we did that. Says kind of like the Saad deal makes a lot of sense with Hosagon. I think Schmaltz will fit nicely at Panarin's spot. Taves gets to be the w- gets a winger he can play with. That is the part we did not mention. Is that oh, yeah. Jonathan Taves is 
going to have a consistent left wing. And that is, he has been suffering through, you know, <laughs> suffering through replacement guy after replacement guy year after year after year since Brandon Saad has left. It's finally time for him to do this and get a guy that's going to, he's going to be comfortable with, he's going to be happy with. And if there's anyone I'm happy for with this trade, it's him. And you could definitely tell he was happy to have Brandon Saad back. He was torn because he... He, he said some really nice things about Artemi Panarin and what a good guy he was and how much he enjoyed having him around. But you could tell he feels very comfortable with Brandon Saad on his wing, knowing that he doesn't have to do all of the defensive work. And I don't think Jonathan Taves is ever going to get to be like, you know, 35-goal scorer or anything like that. But I think it definitely is going to add an offensive element to his game to have Brandon Saad back with him. Yes, totally agree. By the way, email here from uh, Ponytail Dave, our buddy who wore the podcast shirt to the draft yesterday, asking if the, before when he sent the email, there were rumors that the Hawks were going after TJ Oshie. He has, re- he has signed in Washington an eight-year deal, uh, $5.75 million deal until he is, I believe, age 38. I didn't get I your take. Right. I didn't get your take on that deal. What did you think about that yesterday, James? Uh, good average value, I think. I think toward the end of it, you're gonna probably regret the cap hit just a little bit, but it's not too terribly high. It's honestly a little bit lower than I thought it was going to be. I thought he would get in the ballpark of six and a half million, but I also didn't think that he would get a, you know, I didn't eight think he'd get an eight year deal. So yeah. Um. I did want to mention one other, if we're talking about contracts, I wanted to mention the report out that the Oilers were thinking about paying Connor McDavid $14 million a season. What do you think of that? Uh, If there's anyone that deserves it, it's him. And he's going to be the guy to break the bank. And that came up yesterday, actually, on the, um, when we were talking about Panarin. If, so if McDavid signs that deal, and then Panarin becomes a free agent in two years. Him asking for eight nine is not unrealistic. It's not. It's not at all. So it really makes sense. Now you've got Brandon Sod. Sod and Panarin made identical money, six million dollars each. Um, yep. So that's a complete wash. But you got two more years of it. And Brandon Sod's a year younger. I know everyone's mentioned it's not a big deal. I know it's a year. It's not a crazy distance between the guys, but. If you'd rather pick one or the other, you'd rather obviously rather have the younger guy. I, just, I love that deal and everything about it. I really think Anton Forsberg is going to be a good thing for this organization, too. Um, so I, I really like that deal. But there's no way in hell. And I think we all thought this when that two-year deal was signed, that it's going to be a two-year deal for Panarin, and then that's it. We're not going to have our, Penny, our Timmy Panarin on the Blackhawks anymore. So yeah. um, bought two more years of comparable play and uh, help for Jonathan Taves. Love it. The more I think about it, the more I like the deal. Email here from Vince. Says, guys, do you think the Jalmerson trade was originally meant for Seabrook? I think it was, but Seabrook was too hard to move. Uh, It's hard to say. I know the Blackhawks were not as high on moving Brent Seabrook as everybody else was. Um, Because there is value, there really is value to leadership. That matters. It does matter. It really does, and Brent Seabrook is that guy for the Blackhawks, and while his decline is certainly happening, and while the contract is not very good, uh, he is important to that team, and I wonder now if the plan is to pair him up with Duncan Keith every game. Maybe that will sort of bring him back to a level where we saw him before. Maybe a long offseason will help him. I don't know. Uh, It's hard to say that they were trying to move Seabrook. They flat out denied that. They said, we're not looking to move Brent Seabrook, but of course... 
you know, no one knew Panarin was happening. No one knew Jalmerson was happening. The Hawks play it very close to the vest. And uh, who knows? But I think that uh, they're pretty happy with Seabrook, whether they should be or not, truthfully. Yeah, Stan seemed to indicate yesterday that the big moves are done. So it'll be interesting to see what they end up doing. I think they're operating under the assumption that they'll have some wiggle room to work with because of uh, HOSA going on LTIR. They they seem pretty confident that that's going to get done, even though the NHL has said the decision has not been reached yet. So I, I think that Seabrook, odds are he's going to be a Blackhawk on opening night, and I, I don't think you would have gotten that kind of return for him. I think that Connor Murphy and... Um, Larry Dolphin. Laura, Larry Dolphin. Sorry, yeah, I was trying to think of your uh, nickname for him. I think that's a that's a Jalmerson deal. That's not a Seabrook deal. Yeah. All right, one more email here from... Sorry, I have my email thing open twice. From Ray, one of the winners of our tickets. He says, thanks for the tickets, Jay and James. Joel Quenville was not at the Hawks draft table tonight, as James mentioned. Do you think his tantrum earlier today had anything to do with that? Will there be a longer-term rift between him and Stan? Rocky and McDonough don't seem to have any issues with the trades. Now, this is something I heard about yesterday, um, and I think a lot of people sort of created this out of maybe reading between the lines when they should have. I don't think Joel Quenville... He had to, the trades were made, and he left the meeting quickly, um, which is pretty standard when a major trade is made that you want to get your coach over there and and discuss things um the uh, anger was assumed by a lot of people a lot Mm -hmm. of people assumed that he was mad assumed that he left pissed off the tweet i saw that reported that did not say he was angry now maybe there was another one i missed that's certainly a possibility joel quenville this week admitted that he was pissed off when mike kitchen was fired and and said like yeah it took me a while i was i was upset about it but now we're good we're all on the same page so he acknowledged that he was fired up about that. Um, and, you know, him and him and Bowman have clashed on things in the past. But I saw nothing yesterday that definitely tells me that he was mad. I am sure he's upset to lose Nicholas Jalmerson. Who wouldn't be? But I, I don't know. I, I just uh, I think a lot of people are sort of jumping out and making that assumption without really knowing if he was mad or not. Yeah, I think the uh, I think probably right into it too much. I think you're probably right on that. I think the the Brandon Saad deal to me is a Stan Bowman move. I think that he has always wanted to have Saad around. He's always wanted to you know have that defensive guy at the top. And I think Joe Quenville in the end that's something he likes too. So I I think that the the rift, the supposed rift between the two of them, I think it's pretty standard in any relationship you're gonna have peaks and valleys over the course of you know 10 years so no i think that i think everything's fine i think that people maybe read a little bit too much into that and there's gonna be some conflict but it's inevitable you know it's gonna it there there are times you're not gonna see eye to eye but in the end i think stan bowman or joe quenville trusts stan bowman enough to let him operate the team the way that he feels that he needs to. And I think the players, honestly, I think they like the way this is arranged as well. So I, I think in the end that they're they're going to be fine. They'll work through any issues they have. I don't see it being a long, festering issue. By the way, Blackhawks are on the clock in the third round. Oh, well, we should wait to make that. We'll announce that pick here. Uh, we got a trade in the meantime. Elliot Friedman 
uh, announces that uh, Islanders defenseman Travis Hamanick is going to the Calgary Flames. Wow. So, I thought he I would have thought he'd maybe go someplace like Toronto. That's interesting. Yeah, I've always sort of liked Travis Hamanick. I, I know you know you kind of watch him from a distance when other games are on, but uh I'm a big fan of uh big fan of his and and Calgary, it's a sneaky team, man. They're pretty good. They're 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 going to be pretty good. I like their uh got a good young core obviously with Kachuk and with Gaudreau. Um, oh my god. What, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> Andre Altibar Mackian, a right winger from St. Petersburg, Russia, is the Blackhawks' pick in the third round. Andre Altibar Mackian. Okay, I need to come a- up with a name like him for like Larry Dolphin. A- yeah, A L T Y B A R M A K Y A N. That is a long last name. It's like Armin Tanzarian. Woo! <laughs> yeah, uh, you know what? Why don't we just call him that? Armin Tanzarian. Ar- Andre, how about yeah, Andre Tanzarian? <laughs> Andre Tanzarian. It is done. And to people who get that reference, we salute you. I hope that people get that reference. Damn it! All right, it is time to award a free breakfast and a free hockey card. James, who do you got? As much as I know, you wanted to give this to uh, Kevin yes. for agreeing with you and loving you. Yeah. I'm giving it to Spike instead. All right. He brought he brought up the one thing we did not in all of this. Jonathan Taves, because we are terrible podcasters. So thank you to him, and I declare him the winner. All right. Spike, you are going to Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe for breakfast, and you are also the proud owner of a 1996 Marty McSorley Upper Deck Card. Congratulations. Ooh. To Spike T, he is not punching or assaulting anyone in the card. He's actually puck handling, which leads me to believe this is a Photoshop. <laughs> Please, Spike, do not punch anyone <laughs> while eating your breakfast. Exactly. All right, that's going to do it for the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. James, thank you for joining me. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We will be back next week with a full draft recap. And, uh, man, we're probably going to have a couple free agents added here by that point. We should have news on what's going on with Marion Hosa's contract by then as yep. well so there'll be a lot to talk about next week july 1st free agency day i will be at wrigley field watching the dead uh so that'll be fun then i'm out of town so i am bringing listen to this i'm bringing my podcast equipment with me to nashville because you never know you never know what might happen so we got to be ready to go we got to be ready to do it and i will be i promise now we're not just going to do a normal one but if something huge happens like yesterday we'll be there for you so look forward to that Uh, In the meantime, thank you for listening. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast has been brought to you by Triple Threat Sports. For all your team outfitting needs, call Chris at 708-478-6090. Marishka's in Crest Hill, family-owned and operated since 1933. And Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe with locations in Burbank and Darien. Visit chuckscafe.com. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you soon. For my partner, James Neveau, I'm Jay Zawoski, and this has been the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Fifteen minutes could save you 15% or more. Is that Shakespeare? Nope, it's Geico. Uh, Yeah, 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 that's Shakespeare from one of his unpublished works. Oh, it be not for awakening. Nay. Give it other berries. For 15 minutes could save you 15% or more.
Nope, it's from Geico, because they help save people money. Well, I hate to break it to you, but Geico got it from Shakespeare. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. For all you foodies out there, I'm unwrapping a McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel. Ooh, look at this steak. And the juice running down the side. Got a little bit on the wrapper here. Mmm. And then the fluffy egg and real cheese folded over the side looking just so good. Mmm. Mmm. Grilled onions and a butter bagel, too. Thumbs up for McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel for breakfast. Love it. Mmm. Ba-ba-ba-ba. I participate in McDonald's.